Hi friends, welcome back to the Bible Project Daily Podcast. We're starting off in a new section today, a new chapter, chapter 30 of Genesis, and it's looking at the story of Rachel and Leah. Now, sibling rivalries, stories of brothers and sisters, we've heard all about them, and there are many stories of brothers and sisters, well, there's many stories of brothers, particularly in the Bible. In the book of Genesis, we've already had Cain and Abel, and uh, then of course there's Esau and Jacob, which we just went through recently. But this one is a sibling rivalry between two sisters, in a sense, Leah and Rachel. So. While there's a lot to learn from this passage we're going to look at today, I do believe it gives us an insight into, into not just the story itself, but also gives us some clues to the history of, of Israel. And it also can maybe give us some clues to how we react as human beings. But that's the story we're going to be launching off on today. But this is the Bible Project Daily Podcast. The project is to work through the whole Bible together, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Now, if you're joining for the first time, quick reminder that you are, there's a transcript available of each and every one of my talks available on any audio version of the podcast, no matter where you happen to be receiving it. And no matter what platform, you'll find some episode notes. And within that, there'll be a transcript of what I've said and also some links to some other ways in which you can access my teaching. But anyway, that's it for today. As I say, thank you for joining me. I hope you're really benefiting from being on this journey together through the amazing Word of God, that the, the benefit of having the rhythm of the Bible in your life is already starting to help you as you work through this journey of life. And I remind you that we're not that far in yet. I know we're 200 odd episodes, but if you want to, you could still go right back to the start and play catch up for a few months by listening to more than one a day and get, and get through. And then, you know, we've done the whole thing. But that's it for now. So what we're going to do is we're just going to pause for a second and jump back in and we'll continue with the main study today itself. See you at the end. So we're starting off, as I said, launching out on a new chapter, which is going to close off Genesis chapter 29 for us and work our way through to chapter 30, verse 24. And it's probably, I think, going to be two episodes for this one. And I've called this little section that we're going to be looking at over the next couple of days a tale of two women. And uh, it's about... Well, it's sort of about a sibling rivalry. Uh, as I've, I've pointed out in the past, there are many stories, uh, both in popular culture and within the Bible, of stories of sibling rivalry or problems between brothers. I mean, you can think about famous books and literature like Charles Dickens' A Tale of Two Cities. So we've already had in the book of Genesis the two stories of the brothers Cain and Abel, and then, of course, Jacob and Esau, and there are going to be plenty more to come. But this is a tale of two siblings who aren't brothers. On this occasion, they're sisters, two women called Leah and Rachel. 
Now, this is a very interesting story. For one thing, there's more detail given about this story than, for example, the probably more famous story of Cain and Abel. So what is it we should know and draw out of this tale of these two sisters, these two women? Well, I believe there's a lot we can learn from this story. As a matter of fact, this passage not only will give us an insight into the Lord, it will also give us some insights into the history of Israel. And it will also, if we're prepared to look in the mirror, in a sense, tell us something about ourselves as human beings. So let's begin by picking up the biblical text exactly where we left it off last time at the end of Genesis chapter 29, uh, reading from verse 30. And it says this, Jacob made love to Rachel also, and his love for Rachel was greater than his love for Leah. And he worked for Laban another seven years. When the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he enabled her to conceive but Rachel remained childless. Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son, and she named him Reuben, for she said, It is because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. Now, in order to appreciate what's going on in these verses, you need to recall what happened in the first part of Genesis chapter 9, the things we covered the last few days. You remember Jacob had fallen in love pretty intensely and immediately after uh, meeting Rachel. And he made a deal with his father that if he worked for uh, his father Laban for seven years, he could then marry her. So he did that. He worked those seven years. And at the end of the time, the end of that time, the father, Rachel's father, pulled a bit of a switch on him on his wedding night of all things. And he substitutes Leah for Rachel in the marriage tent. And Jacob Instead of consummating the marriage with Rachel, he realizes in the next morning that he has consummated his relationship with Leah, the older sister. Now, as you can imagine, he's not happy about this, not happy at all. Now, there was a custom that the older daughter should be married first among Laban's people. We were told that, but he still tricked Jacob into sleeping with the wrong daughter. Now, if you're asking how did Jacob feel about that, well, uh, we looked and we considered all these different theories as how they might have, uh, how that trick might have happened. We did that in the last episode. But anyway, the end result is Jacob has ended up married to Leah. But it tells us he loved Rachel. So he is seen now to strike another deal with the father that if he works for another seven years, he would get the second daughter, Rachel, as his wife also. They agree to that, and this is how he ends up with Rachel as his wife as well. So what we saw happen in these verses, these which I've just read for you now, is that we see Jacob consummating his union with Rachel. But it also says in verse 30 that he loved Rachel more than Leah. I notice very, uh, I, uh, t take note of this because this is important. The fact that he says he loved Rachel more than Leah. That, now, the question I'm asking is, does that mean he doesn't love Leah at all? And I would say, no, it doesn't mean that. It just means he loved Rachel more than Leah. He loved both of them and was cared for and was responsible for 
both of them. But clearly his initial desire was to be with Rachel. So maybe we shouldn't be surprised when it says he loved her more. He had loved Rachel intensely and he married her and then was allowed to serve the other seven years to complete the agreement made with Laban. And he was allowed to do that after the wedding. But be that as it may, the point of these verses, particularly verse 31, is that the Lord saw, looks upon this situation and saw that Leah was indeed loved this and therefore he took pity on her and he allowed her to become pregnant to comfort her, it says. But Rachel is seen to remain childless. So we are then told that Leah gives birth to Reuben and she names him Reuben, which the Hebrew word that we translate as Reuben literally means behold a son. So Leah is naming her son according to the experience, her experience of what God has done in her life. Now you might also note that it says the Lord did these things. Now it doesn't use the generic term God, but here in these verses it used the personal title of God, Lord. The same name that is the covenant name of God used in the original language of the Old Testament. So this indicates an intimate, close, personal relationship between Leah and God himself. So here we have a lady who feels somewhat overlooked and unloved by her husband. And apparently she's out crying and upset and the Lord looks upon her, takes pity on her. And she is able to conceive and have a son, Reuben. Now that's the last line of verse 32. And it's very instructive because then she says, having these things happen, she says, maybe now my husband will love me. So clearly, Leah is still feeling unloved, isn't she? Or at least feeling not as loved as much as her sister. The text then continues in verse 34, where it says, She conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, Because the Lord heard that I am not loved, he gave me this one too. So she named him Simeon. So notice she says, because the Lord heard, she named her son the Lord heard. So once again, she's giving credit to the Lord for what she has experienced and the events in her life. Again, she conceived and she gave birth to a son and said, now at last my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. So she named him Levi. Now, as you can guess, as this point, the Hebrew word Levi simply means attachment, to be attached. So it appears she's thinking at this point, now, well, the Lord's given me three sons. Surely I will now have an, a close attached relationship to my husband. And that's why she names him accordingly. And then Leah's situation is finished off in verse 35 when it tells us she conceived again and when she gave birth to a son she said this time I will praise the Lord so she named him Judah then she stopped having children so last child's arrived and she calls him Judah and the word Judah means praise so she named him because she wanted to praise the Lord and identify that she gave thanks to the Lord for the fact that she now had four, count them four sons. Now, 
this I'm calling, in a sense, it's a bit like round one. There's been the situation between the sisters and we've reached this little end point in the story. And as we shall see as we get into the passage, there is still a bit of an underlying conflict going on between the sisters, both of whom, of course, who are married to Jacob. In round one, Leah felt unloved, yet she takes her case to the Lord, and the Lord gives her four sons, which would make a man very happy with his wife in those days. And notice also her careful choice of the, and the meanings of the names that she chooses of these children reflect her acknowledgement of God's providence in this situation and of God's blessing through this situation. So on one hand, God is seen to be blessing her, but he's doing it because she feels unloved. But on the other hand, there's probably a little bit of sadness there as she's still longing for a deeper love of her husband. One commentary I read said Leah seems to have been a godly woman who spent much time in prayer concerning her marriage and her children. She acknowledged that her sons were given by the Lord in response to her prayers and to compensate for her difficult position at home. So round one is completed. Leah is unloved or feels unloved but the Lord because of her trust in him chooses to bless her with four sons. Round 2 will begin in chapter 30. So let's pick that up at verse 1 of chapter 30, where we're told this. When Rachel saw that she was not bearing Jacob any children, she became jealous of her sister. So she said to Jacob, Give me children or I'll die. This is the beginning of the record of the conflict between these these two sisters and the fact that Rachel doesn't have children we can see the beginning of her starting to get jealous of her sister Leah who now has four but notice what it says in the text she says to Jacob give me children or I'll die so in a sense I think she's blaming him for the situation and the circumstance how can he what can he do in response to that I mean Clearly, he's done all he can as a husband. He's he's been with his wife, one can assume, regularly. And with Leah having children, it doesn't appear any lack of children on Rachel's account are down to his part, yet she seems to be blaming him. Now, this is the oldest psychological trick in the book. It's called blame shifting. And we've seen it right from the very beginning of Genesis. Do you remember Adam and Eve when he ate from the tree and the Lord comes to Adam and says, what have you done? And he immediately shifts the blame and says, the woman made me do it. And then he shifts the blame, not just onto the woman, but onto God himself when he says, the woman you gave me persuaded me to do this. So blame shifting is absolutely the oldest psychological trick in the book. It's here at the dawn of the human race as described in Genesis and it's here again with Rachel using it against Jacob. And his response is seen in the next verse. Jacob became angry with her, it says, and am I in the place of God who has kept you from having children? Now that's an interesting idea and response. Back in chapter 29, at the tail end of chapter 9, we were told that it says he loved Rachel more than Leah. So he is deeply in love with this woman. Right from the moment of their first meeting, there was an intention uh, attraction between them. It was, 
you might describe it as love at first sight, so to speak, yet he gets angry with her here, and that's interesting. So the question is, can you love someone and be angry with them at the same time? Well, I believe that you can. It doesn't mean that you should be aggressive or unpleasant, but you can have a righteous anger against a person or a situation. As a matter of fact, we see the Lord himself repeatedly angry with the children of Israel, which is obvious if you read the Bible, especially in the Old Testament. Jacob here is so angry with her, he says, Am I in the place of God? What are you talking about, he's saying. This is not my fault. I don't have the power to do anything about this. So let's look at her response. Then she says, Here is Bilhah, my servant. Sleep with her so that you can bear children from me, and I too can build a family through her. Wow, we've been down this route before and it didn't work out very well, did it? So Rachel, who doesn't feel she can get pregnant, so she says, Here, take my maid, get her pregnant, and she'll put a child in my lap and on my breast, so to speak. And it all starts to play out from here. So look, so he gave, she gave her, sorry, I'll try it again. So she gave him, her servant, Bilhah, as wife. Jacob slept with her and she became pregnant and bore him a son. Then Rachel said, God has vindicated me. He has listened to my plea and given me a son. And because of this, she named him Dan. So at this point, Jacob has another wife. And Rachel will actually eventually also have a child. And when she finally gets pregnant, she says, God has judged my case and has heard my voice. It has now given me a son. And that's why therefore she calls his name Dan. And the word Dan means to judge. So the idea is God has decided. The idea here is to help her. He's, he's, he's given her a son and she's called that son Dan to commemorate the fact that the Lord decided how this should, should all work out. But there's more. Let's pick it up on verse 7. Rachel's servant Bilah conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. Then Rachel said, I have had a great struggle with my sister and I have won. So she named him Naphtali. When Leah saw that she had stopped having children, she took her servant Zilpha and gave her to Jacob as a wife. Leah's servant Zilpha bore Jacob a son. Then Leah said, What good fortune! So she named him Gad. Leah's, Leah's servant Zilpha bore Jacob a second son. Then Leah said, How happy I am! The woman will call me happy. So she named him Asher. Now, you need to note and go back to verse 1 when it said Rachel was envious of her sister. And now it says in verse 8 that she is wrestling with her sister, battling with her sister. And at this point in the chapter, that, that's really, if we stop here, that's one of the main points you'll pick up in the text up to this point. But there's a lot more going on in this story than just an account of a sibling rivalry or a jealousy, or an envy between two sisters. There is, in fact, a constant tension that has spilt over into conflict, and they're now almost on the edge of openly openly battling with each other. And we've seen round one, haven't we? Well, we'll have a look at round two in the next episode.
Okay, friends, that's it for today. Thank you for joining me. I'd like to remind you that you do have access to some long, more, more long-form Bible teaching. I've been doing another uh, teaching that I've put on the internet through my Patreon page. I also am in the habit of, of doing talks in churches and in secular organizations, and you will find access to those teachings available uh, and, and publicized through my Patreon website. I'm also, at the moment, creating a series, uh, a discipleship course on how a guide to expository preaching. So if there's any of you who would like to try and develop the skill and know how to prepare expository sermons and Bible messages, maybe you'd like to, uh, to come along and sign up for that. That material will be made available to everyone on my Patreon website. Anybody who commits to support this ministry from as little as £2 a month uh, will have access to all that additional teaching. If you become a patron for a small amount of money, you can be safe in the knowledge and know that you're not only supporting the vision and the mission of the main, uh, the main ministry that I have, which is the Bible Project Daily Podcast, you're helping to, towards the costs of that, but you're also helping, enabling, and ensuring it will stay indefinitely on the internet. In other words, that people, when it's all finished, that it will still be there, and people will be able to make a decision to work through the whole Bible and make it part, as I describe it, as the rhythm of their daily lives. So anyway, I hope you've enjoyed our time together. I just would really like to thank you because I could not do this without your help and your encouragement and particularly your prayerful encouragement. So I hope to see you back here again very soon when we gather together. Tomorrow will be for me. Maybe it'll be tomorrow or another day for you. But let's get together back here again very soon on the Bible Project Daily Podcast. Bye-bye for now.